Welcome everyone to this episode of Off the Record Conversations on the Creative Landscape. My name is Philip. I'm the host today, and today with us is Aris von Harpe. Of course, you don't you don't wake up in the morning and say, "Yeah, I want to buy a newspaper." Mm. That's not that's not how it was. He's the buyer and publisher of Mopo, which is a tabloid based out of Hamburg, Germany. It's super iconic by its appearance and also by the way they do stuff. It's uh, not an unfriendly tabloid paper like you would think. It's super happy, super friendly, more on the left side of the political spectrum. And he's going to talk about the journey, how he came to buy this newspaper because he had nothing to do with publishing before. It's very, very interesting. Listen to the episode if you want to know more about this project and Arist and the Mopo. Have fun. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Off the Record, the podcast for the creative industry conversations on the creative landscape. Today, we have with us Ars von Harpe. He is a, a brand new publisher in the market. Um, he bought the newspaper Mopo, which is a local newspaper in the city of Hamburg, uh, without any previous relevant, real relevant uh, publishing experience. It was a surprise for everyone, and we're super happy to have you here today, Arist. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, Philip, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Maybe could you share your story? Like, where do you come from? What do you study? How's your, what's your career path? Yeah, it's a very, uh, I don't know whether it's so unusual. Um, no, but um, yeah, I'm uh, based in Hamburg. Um, I'm from Düsseldorf, um, which is in the west of Germany. Uh, came to Hamburg about 20 one years ago when I came here to study engineering, did that for three years, then studied one more year engineering in Sweden, and then came back to Hamburg and started working at BCG, Boston Consulting Group. Um, let's say typical consulting career, working in various kinds of industries, never really in media or digital business. Um, although I spent before starting at, um, at BCG, I worked for half a year at America Online, AOL. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think only the older people will remember that company. It doesn't really exist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did that for seven years and then um, yeah, worked in all kinds of industries in very many different places around the world. So in Japan, China, South Africa, um, North America, USA, England, Switzerland, all kinds of European countries. Wow. And then I joined a um, fellow colleague from BCG or ex-colleague from BCG when he and his old buddy, when they founded a company, a tech company for social media tech here in Hamburg called Facelift, joined them and did all the international business um, for that company right from the beginning. I did that for about six years. And um, yeah, after five years or so, we sold the company and then I stayed one more year. And um, then I joined Xing. Xing is... Um, I think only people in Germany or in the German-speaking region will know Xing, mm -hmm. although it sounds could also come from from uh, could also come from China if you look yeah. at the name. Xing, Jing, Jing, Jing. It would be then, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that is sort of say it's a, it's a German-speaking type of LinkedIn in a way. Mm -hmm. I think they were both established around the same time. I think both companies didn't know of each other. Um, and only after a couple of years noticed that there's someone else doing sort of the same business. Mm -hmm. um, and they do that still very successful in the, in the, in the German speaking market. And um, there I was running the advertising business. Mm -hmm. So let's say the, the Facebook type of business model in there. Yeah, and now I'm doing this. Okay. 
When, when did this decision started growing in your mind to buy a newspaper? Because, I mean, first of all, the, the, the kind of lack of experience, um, which is not a, a bad thing per se, but it's, uh, it's just something that you would have to, to cope with. And in a time when newspapers are called dead by, by a lot of people. So how did that happen and, and how did that grow in your, uh, in your head and heart maybe? Yeah, I think maybe it's a, I mean, it could start a little bit earlier. When I, when I started working at BCG, I mean, what was my logic for starting there? It was, you know, it was to have, you know, it's a, you know, it's tough to get in there. So if you, if you make it through the recruiting process, you know, it's good and, you know, it's a good job, well paid and, you know, lots of, lots of nice things, lots of places you can go to, et cetera. But at the end, you ask yourself, you know, you work for companies that you're not really interested in, et cetera. And, you know, you want to do something on your own. And um, then with facelift, all of that, all of that was, let's say, solved, you know, so mm -hmm. I was working on something new, something modern It was sort of it wasn't my company, but I was, it, it you know, I'd say it felt a little bit like that. And, um, and then I was working at Xing and, you know, it was all nice again. But I always thought, okay, I want to do something, you know, more, more entrepreneurial again, and something where I really, where I really believe in the business model. And mm -hmm. I really believe in that what we do there really makes sense and is useful, let's say, for the world. I mean, I'm not not sounding, I don't want to sound, let's say, philanthropical, mm -hmm. but it's something that really makes sense, you know, where you, where you say in the morning, okay, I, I really want to do this because it's good. Mm -hmm. So that was, let's say, that was the overall feeling where I was at. And um, regarding why newspaper, I mean, of course, you don't, You don't wake up in the morning and say, "Yeah, I want to buy a newspaper." Mm -hmm. That's not that's not how it was. It was much more that um, you know the opportunity just came. You know, I mean, because um, I knew the 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 company that was owning the newspaper before, because that was the company. It's called Dumont. It's a, it's a Cologne-based company. I think 400 years old, and they are. Wow. Um, One of the, one of the oldest publishers in Germany. Mm -hmm. So if you look if you look at the German publishing market, I mean everyone knows Axel Springer with Bild Zeitung, but they actually they're a very young company. They only exist since 1948 or, or 50. I don't know. Um, Dumont exists, you know, um, just a lot more longer. But they want to get out of that market, and they had actually bought facelift. So mm -hmm. they wanted to move their business more to digital business models. So the, 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 the company you, you were working in before. Exactly. So I knew the guys at, at Dumont and I knew it was publicly known that they wanted to sell their newspapers. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, if they sell that newspaper just on their own, I mean, just by itself, not in a big package together with other newspapers, because mm -hmm. they wanted to sell other newspapers as well. I said, well, why don't I buy that newspaper? I mean, because the Mopo, as it's called, Hamburger Morgenpost, is has since I moved to Hamburg in 1999, I noticed that this is a kind of special newspaper. It is mm -hmm. a it is a tabloid newspaper, but it's not so let's so conservative and not so how drof, as mm -hmm. you would say. It's like a, what, a happy ta happy tabloid. A little bit a happy tabloid, more um, more on the let's say left political spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this newspaper doesn't really. Ex I mean, this type of newspaper doesn't really exist in other cities of Germany, or not that I know of. And it's um, it's a very strong brand. It has a nice logo, and you know everything that comes with it um, is cool in a way. Mm -hmm. And I felt that the way 
the you know newspaper was in the last years presented, how it was made, etc. I think the whole brand has suffered or had suffered a lot, and I felt that you know basically like mm -hmm. like an old house that you can renovate and make nicer and really make this brand shine shine better and have mm -hmm. a and just to offer a good or just to create a good offering for the people living in Hamburg mm -hmm. so that they have a good newspaper or good digital news offering with topics that are interesting and you know mm -hmm. and that was the idea and i didn't really look at i mean in the first place i didn't really look at well is this the industry that will grow etc it was more like okay this is the place i want to be in this mm -hmm. is what i want to do and how can i is it possible that this works from a from a business perspective? Because mm -hmm. you know, at the end, it has to work. I don't have any any ambitions to make it the hyper growth business. I mean, not at all. It's just it's just just it shall just work. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is and then you said okay, let's you're gonna put your hat in the ring for for buying it. Were there any other people who wanted to buy? Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, I, I've never fully found out who else was really fully interested in that. They never disclosed that mm -hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. But um, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a tough call to sell to sell a business when all the typical buyers of such a such a company would, of course, be some kind of institutions, and they would mm -hmm. have. They would have some boards, and they would look at some Excel charts, and would just look at it very much from a, you know, from a from a spreadsheet perspective. And mm -hmm. if you look at it just from that perspective, then, you know, this is just an object that's not so easy to sell. So the mm -hmm. price is not very high. Mm -hmm. And um, when I came up there and said, well, it's just me on my own, I have a little bit cash on the bank, um, and uh, can I do it? And they of course looked at me and said, well, you're all on your own. You have no company backing you or anything. I'm like, no. No, I mean, but then because I mean, I would say because I knew the 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 guys at Dumont, there was some level of trust already before, mm -hmm. and so I mean, it took some months, you know, and went some went some iterations back and forth, and sometimes we both felt that we both left the table and then came back together. It was a very let's say non 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 linear way of getting from the idea to you know to closing mm -hmm. that deal, as it probably usually always mm -hmm. is. Except if you want to buy, you know, a bottle of beer or something, then yeah, you just go course. and buy. Um, and uh, but then at the end, yeah, it, and and of course it always needs some luck, you know. And but at the end, uh, it was me sitting there signing that contract and um, wow. being the new owner and wow. running that business now. Wow, I think it's an amazing, amazing story, uh, and I think it's it's super bold, super super bold. Uh, in Germany, you would say, "Ich feier dich." Yeah. I, I, I celebrate Thank you. you. But I'm pretty sure there were also people who had criticism, right? So people who said like, what, what the hell is he doing? What, who does he think he is? Uh, did you come across any criticism? Well, I mean, not that anyone mentioned that to me, to be honest. I mean, you know, of course, people that like you, they tend to tell you the you know, the positive things about mm -hmm. you. I mean, you know, it's not that you walk around and then, you know, people say, well, this is so wrong. I mean, I think when I did it, then people said, wow, okay, this was a, was a big surprise. I mean, but at the end, I mean, from a, let's say from a joking perspective, you know, from people who know me as a, as a private person and they, I mean, I got feedback, you know, okay, that, that fits so well, you and that brand. And, um, you know, as I said before, it was not a move where I said, you know, well, the, you know, the Excel spreadsheet looks good, and you know, this is, you know, five percent more than that, etc. 
but just from the feeling, you know, from the feeling from mm -hmm. the brand, what can we do with it? Does that fit also my picture of how I would do this? Do I have to turn this thing brand-wise around or can I just, you know, continue with that? And it was more like, like, okay, this brand is already super cool and we can just, you know, do more of the same and mm -hmm. do it better to make it more successful. Um, so there was no real criticism, but of course people, I mean, I heard of course people saying, yeah, okay, this guy's, you know, trying to do it here and it's not gonna work. And I mean, you know, I mean, no one knows what's gonna come mm. out. I mean, yeah, we're still in the middle of a big crisis, but so far, I mean, we've done, we've actually done pretty good, mm -hmm. I would say. The, so last time I met you, um, I think was six, seven months ago. And, uh, and and it was still summer and um, basically uh, it was after you bought uh, the newspaper a couple of weeks later corona started and everything went down with the market um, the the timing couldn't have been better or worse nobody knows um, how did you uh, cope uh, with this situation and you know with the team and how did you um, motivate your team, you know, to work through this situation? Um, that, I mean, for me, this wasn't so tough actually to do, because if you look at, I mean, what does the MOPO consist of? Basically, we're about 70 people or so, mm -hmm. and 50 of them work within, within the editorial team. So mm -hmm. they write stories, they make the newspaper, they make the content that is a newspaper that is on our, on our website, mopo.de, all of that. They make the pictures, they make the tests, uh, I mean, the text, the interviews, etc. Mm -hmm. all of that. And that, um, and that is not the part of business that I'm, you know, working on. And that is a, I mean, that team, there has, I mean, uh, when I came, I changed the role of the, um, I think you call it editor in Chief. editor in chief, mm -hmm. editor in chief, um, to, um, to a guy I knew, Mike, Mike Koltermann, and mm -hmm. he worked at the Mopo before. And so he directly on the first day took over. And, and, and if you think about the, about the editorial team, you can sort of think of it as a, as a crew on a boat, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, you know, on a boat, on a, On a sailing boat, every person has his or her position that he has to work on. So either on the steering wheel or on the, uh, you know, on the on the navigation, mm -hmm. on the front sail, on the back sail. I don't know the exact words for mm -hmm. that, but um, and it's the same with the newspaper. It's a real team effort every day. Mm -hmm. So you know, it starts in the morning at 6:30 where the first topics are collected. Then there's a conference at 11 o'clock, and then at three o'clock it's about to talk about what's going to come on the front page and. And during the entire time, people work on, you know, what's going to come on the homepage, on in which position, look at the analytics, how how are the clicks on this article, how on that. Mm -hmm. And this entire process is something that has been there before. And I mean, I didn't, I mean, I personally don't work on that at all. This is Mike doing. Mm -hmm. And so this is something there, I mean, you know, when lockdown came, of course, we had to send everyone home. But they all had laptops, so that directly worked from home. I mean, mm -hmm. then, you know, we, you know, we handed out lots of our... Lots of our external um, screens, mm -hmm. um, so that they could work from the laptop screen and an external screen from home. Mm -hmm. And basically, we made everything from home just just within one day, and mm -hmm. that worked. Wow! So, and of course, you need to motivate people. But at the end, there was a situation we call that we call that lager. You know, we have a situation mm -hmm. that we have now that is huge. I mean, there's so much happening, and there's so many things happening at the same time. 
you know, on a national level in Germany, on a local level here in Hamburg, on an international level, because this Corona crisis is not something only here, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's so much news to talk about, etc. so that for journalists, actually, it's a very interesting time, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I can imagine that there's a lot of stuff to, to, to cover at the end of the day and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of perspectives on also because of the situation, you know, it's it's controversial. You know, some people think this is right or that is right. So there's a lot of totally. opinion totally. as well. Floating totally, around. totally, totally, totally. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, there's I mean, there's lots of I mean, let's let's say uh, polarization again within society. And I sometimes think that, you know, this entire Corona crisis is a little bit like a like a Kercher water spray thing, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. all the all the dirt that sits, you know, it, you know, it all flies up, you mm -hmm. know? It's, um, it's, uh, it's a very dynamic time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, you can see that from a positive perspective or from a negative perspective. I always think that uh, things are settling down in a hopefully better way in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, yeah. Yeah, it's probably just a, just a, a perpetuation of the dynamics that are already existing. Uh, totally, at the end totally. of the day. I mean, I can, I can hear or I can sense you, you have a super positive feeling about what you guys are doing. How's that for the rest of the publishing industry? How do you, um, how do you see, uh, for example, specific markets where the publishing industry is doing really well um, or, or not well at all? What are the dynamics there? What can we expect from the publishing industry in the next, say, like this year, next year, year after? From a marketing perspective, for example. Yeah, well, market. I mean, I think the main thing that um, where it really got an got a strong acceleration this year is that because at the start of the crisis, I mean, all the all the brands, you know, basically stopped their media spend, or many of them stopped it, of or, or reduced it to a to a strong degree, hmm. um, and any media offering that's highly dependent on advertising sales or or advertising revenues got under strong pressure. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a newspaper that's basically, you know, given away for free, all these newspapers, I think there's probably in London, there's one of that. In, I think in Switzerland, there are some of these that you get when you when you enter um, a subway station, etc. Mm -hmm. I mean, those ones, I mean, basically it's printed in super high numbers and it's given away for free. And you only get revenue from the, from the advertisers. If these guys go away, your entire revenue goes away mm -hmm. and you still have to print these newspaper. And uh, that is, of course, I mean, for those kind of businesses, it's very, very difficult. Mm. And for all the other, you know, for all the other, let's say, news offerings that rely on a hybrid revenue model, let's say, mm -hmm. so you have revenues from from the readers um, um, so that actually that, that, that either pay to buy the newspaper or pay to read the articles online. Mm -hmm. Uh, and have advertising revenues for them it's it's less of a problem mm -hmm. and um, and I think many many of many of the offerings I mean today you know history is that you know people pay for the newspaper and usually get the online news for free and um, there was always a question how can we how can how can uh, how can publishers also also monetize from the users that was mm -hmm. a question that was for a very long time unanswered and there were different models that were tested in the market and from my point of view but i don't know the entire industry on a global scale but from my perspective the model that at least from my view seems to work out in the best way is this hybrid or freemium model so mm -hmm. you so you have so you have the news for free but you always have a plus offering where you get the entire content 
And for that, you have a monthly subscription, small monthly subscription, usually, let's say, between five and maximum maybe 20 euro for, I think, Zeit is around that price. Um, it's a weekly weekly German newspaper with very, very high sales numbers and very high quality. Mm. And... Um, and I think more of more and more publishers are looking at to at to strengthen that that arm of business because that is more stable because because obviously if you have if you have subscription revenues from the readers, uh, it's a lot better to than than only relying on advertising revenues that can you know whenever there's a crisis that goes down and it's uh, that is mm. just a lot less planable. Yeah, that's true. And that that I would say is one of the mega trends, and that is and that has been also one thing that we actually already had in our mind before actually taking over the Mopo, but that we obviously now are working on even more fiercely to have an offering there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. You opened up uh, additional formats uh, with the Mopo. Um, I understand you ha now also have a weekend type of edition, right? You didn't have yeah. before, is that correct? Yeah, it's yeah half half correct. I mean, we have an we have a weekend edition that's different from the one that we had before. So um, uh, until the summer, there was uh, there was six normal Mopo editions. I mean, from Monday to Saturday, and then on Sunday there was called the Mopo Am Sonntag, so the Sunday edition, and it had a little bit different format from the paper size, which was based only due because. Or only so because um, it was printed at a different, different printing company, and they have a different printing machine size. So mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that always, you know, then then determines the the actual physical size of the newspaper, mm -hmm. the format. Um, and with our team here, and um, you know, producing seven days a week, a newspaper felt tough. So the Sunday newspaper sold a lot less because there is less buying opportunities on a Sunday than there is on any other day during the week because mm -hmm. many shops are closed and people usually just stay at home or, you know, go for a walk and they don't really go so much to, you know, to other places mm -hmm. or go to cafes or so, or maybe cafes, yes, but that's not where they buy the newspaper. Um, so we felt that it would make sense to just have one, one weekend edition that's bigger uh, and that is sold on Saturday and Sunday. And that has worked out very well. So we have more in there. The quality is better. I think it's a lot better for our brand. And yeah, more revenues, less cost. So in a, let's say in all dimension, full success. Okay, very good. Congratulations. It's called the Dicke Mopo, right? Yeah, we call it Dick as in fat because it's, you know, it's just thicker. Yeah. So yeah, in English, you would call it, you know, the thick Mopo. Yeah. Thick Mopo. <laughs> okay. So uh, you've talked about the, the, the advertising revenues before. Um, you also have an online presence. So if, if, if you sell advertising space, how's the mm -hmm. offering and how's the choices between, I mean, don't, I don't mean the specific choices people can make, but how, how's the, the feeling for the, the advertisers? Um, do they, are there some that really want to go local on the paper still because, they, because there's maybe an um, ideological reason for it or do they go fully for performance um it's well that's really different i mean at the end we have we have two different well we have to, i think more than two but but at the end you can you can group it to two 
to two types of advertising customers. We have the local advertising customers that are companies here from Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And they usually, because it's they, if, if it's a Hamburg company that's doing business for Hamburg, it's usually not a huge company. I mm-hmm. mean, there are huge companies in Hamburg like Take Otto, Take uh, Beiersdorf or Airbus. Mm-hmm. But these, I mean, they don't make products for Hamburg. They mm-hmm. make products for entire Germany or for the entire world. Uh, they look at Hamburg in the same way as they look at any other city of the world. Mm-hmm. But, so the local, but the real local clients where we, from our advertising sales team here, has direct contact uh, these are usually then then smaller customers and usually are not so fully fully digitalized yet mm-hmm. it's really funny to see i mean for them really print advertising it feels more solid for them you know makes more sense they don't have any clue about all these ad servers and all that i mean even stuff that i have no real detailed clue about to mm-hmm. be honest i mean don't tell anyone no. <laughs> shouldn't say this here but um <laughs> No, 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 but that is one dimension. So all the local advertising sales is still very much print heavy and we're working on right now to make offerings that really take the entire um, uh, width of our offering. So, you know, across the different medias, the uh, media dimensions that we have, so online, print, etc., mm-hmm. and also audio. We do a lot of podcasts right now. And and then, then the other type of advertising is the one that comes from a national perspective. So, and there is... So all types of, let's say, intermediates in there, um, ad sales companies, you know, and um, there's all these ads, you know, much of them, let's say, flooding in where the ad actually doesn't know that it's landing at Mopo. You know, mm-hmm. they're just targeting with cookies and, you know. Yeah, like, so like display networks and. Exactly, exactly. All these things. And um, and there, that's just a, this is a, you know, real commodity market. And there's all these specialists there that, you know know how to put the pixels there etc and then uh, um, yeah that's just really let's say mathematics and real science for itself but that's not something where we as mopo um, really offer our advertisers so that's so that's one dimension where we really target to get more let's say na- more national customers to advertise on mopo just because they know okay mopo is a good brand mm-hmm. um because otherwise, I mean, if you just go through these, just go through these networks, then then Mopo is just treated as any other newspaper, or it's a digital newspaper offering. And of course, we want to be, you know, we want to have a better newspaper offering and also have better and uh, let's say better advertisers that spend more money with us. Hmm. And that only goes to brand. Are most of your readers? Also based in Hamburg, or do you have a lot of international readers as well? I can feel no, no. No, I mean, of course, there are people that come from Hamburg that are outside of Hamburg that would read Mopo or there's probably lots of fans of um, HSV and St. Pauli, the two mm-hmm. big football clubs here in Hamburg. They they also have fans outside of Hamburg. Yes. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, we have I mean, we have we have a national politics uh, section um, within our newspaper but at the end, people read more. People read Mopo for the local content. That's our USP. Okay. That's. I mean, we have something there that others don't have. Okay, and that's also probably, I guess, part uh, of your, I guess, your your journalism uh, team. I guess it would be uh, people who are locally probably very well connected, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 Do they have to be from Hamburg to to work at your your newspaper? Uh. I mean, you mean born in Hamburg? No. No, not born, uh, no, but no. maybe like lived there for a while. Or could I just go to your newspaper and write about local stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
yeah, I think you should have some, I mean, yeah, I think you should have some connection to the city. I mean, of course, otherwise it wouldn't work. But at the end, there's also, there's also many jobs within the editorial team that are at the end that are not really fully, let's say, concerned with the content. Take the people who are producing, uh, who are producing our website hmm. on a, you know, from the morning 6 a.m. until the evening, um, you know, 11 p.m. That's when we basically freeze. And then, you know, at night, nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. Just except if something huge happens and then someone, you know, picks up their computer and, and just changes something. Mm -hmm. But people who, who determine which article comes where and does, you know, some SEO optimization or all those kinds of things, those are things, that's where people look at things and they don't, I mean, they don't research stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't research stuff and they don't write stuff. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, those people they can come, they can come from, they can come from everywhere. And it's really funny to see actually that, I would say the majority of people that work at the Mopo are actually don't come originally from Hamburg. Oh, I mean, okay, interesting. You know, just like myself. I mean, Mike is a real hamburger, hamburger. I'm a cheeseburger. <laughs> no, um, but um, but there are many people from other places, and you know, at the end, they all came here to Hamburg for the same reason because you know they love this city and you know they all and they also love this brand mm. and that's really what what people share here within the team you know mm. so i i can see you're taking it that far uh, you just recently if i understood correctly released some merch also for the brand you released a, a super cool college jacket right well we didn't release it yet it's just a prototype yet oh, it's, a prototype. Um, okay. it's just a prototype yeah it's, it's a prototype and yeah and we um yeah, we made it uh, yeah together with the guys from from Infano Ragazzi, and um, yeah, because uh, yeah, um, you know, as I said in the beginning, I, I personally feel that this brand Mopo is very strong, and because it's very it's very well known in Hamburg, and it's very it's a brand that people actually like. It's a very mm -hmm. sympathetic brand, and we felt well, why don't we try something like this? And we just you know said okay, let's let's just produce one prototype. Mm -hmm. For one jacket, it costs quite a lot, but it's you know still doable. And let's have this jacket and let's see what we can do with it. And then we had this, we had this partnership um, uh, with um, I don't know how you say. Is he a comedian? Is he a well? He's not a journalist. Mickey Beisenherz. It's a very oh, yeah, popular okay. guy these days, and and a very cool guy. An and it guy. I mean, he's an it guy in a way. You know, <laughs> I mean, and he's he has. I think um, Apple gave him the award of podcast of the year. He writes in various magazines and is on TV presenter, etc. And a very, very cool guy. We got to know him, and it just on a on a on a human level, on, you know, just it just felt right with him. And mm -hmm. he said, "Well, I would like to do something with you guys." And uh, then we came together, and now he's writing once a week in our Dikamopo at the weekend. Nice. And it's very funny stuff and very cool stuff. And um, and then I said, well, if we do the photo of him in there, then why doesn't he wear the jacket, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we published it with that and that we get some momentum on people wanting to have that jacket. And mm -hmm. um, maybe soon we will have this jacket for sale. Very limited edition. Yeah, then, limited you know? edition, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Signed by you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's let's stay in the culture. Um, let's talk about Mopop um, for everybody who doesn't know, which mm -hmm. are probably most of the people um, listening to this podcast. Um, it, Mopop is a is a culture edition about music and yeah, culture and everything, uh, kind of like a spin-off, digital spin-off. Could you tell us a little bit about the idea uh, behind Mopop and the plans you have this year? 
Yeah, so Mopo has, it has basically, or it had always three USPs. So one USP is, you know, the local journalism, you know, all the stuff that happens in Hamburg. Then it's then it's football with these two football clubs, very polarized, you know, you're either a fan of that club or the other club. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's one USP or one, or let's say focus area. And then it has always been culture. Mm-hmm. And culture, not culture as in, you know what is the what is the new opera, but more pop culture. So which band is playing here? And there would always be you know concert reviews from cool bands. So we wouldn't always feature you know if Bon Jovi is playing or Robbie Williams, but rather you know the cool and upcoming bands. So and that was also as I am not a real football fan, but more a music fan. When I started living in Hamburg, I always read that part of the Mopo, mm. you know, and I always. And I, that was something that I always had a very strong connection with. And that's probably why I like this brand always so much because, you know, on this, on this area, on this, uh, on this topic area that, um, that I like personally, and that really, you know, gives me energy and there's something of, you know, of passion, mm-hmm. same as football, probably when we talk about Mopop, Mopop is a brand that has been there since the nineties already. So mm-hmm. there were a few pages, um, every Thursday, um, in the newspaper, they were called Mopop, where it was about pop music. Mm-hmm. So you take Mopo and make Mopop out of it. And this name had somehow died away. And in the past years, people had said, well, let's let's not do pop culture anymore at Mopo because it doesn't click so well. It's just a passion topic, but, you know, no one mm-hmm. advertises on it. And, you know, no one was really interested in, in that anymore. And then we felt, okay, let's, you know, let's do this again because this is something... Uh, you know, this is an area where where the Mopo has a has a good name and where we can say regain trust in you know that segment. Mm-hmm. And Mike and me, I mean, you know, before we started this, um, Mike and me probably the place where we usually met just by chance was at some concert. So he mm-hmm. he's a huge music fan. I'm a huge music fan. So that just you know for us made total sense to do. And also from a business perspective, it also makes sense because. I feel that um, I feel that these these topics that are you know passion topics, mm-hmm. you know, let's say let's say passion topics in comparison to just information topics. I mean, if I read about what's happening with the Brexit or what's happening with some new Corona lockdown regulations, etc., th- th- these these topics they basically they feed my interest in news. Mm-hmm. But if I read about a concert, about a band I love, or if I read as a football fan about the club I'm really interested in, those are things that are that are passion. And mainly with passion topics, that's where you can really connect people to your brand because this is what people really love. They don't they don't love lockdown regulations. They don't love news in a way. Yeah. Um, and so it was also it was not only that we felt okay we like music let's do music you know spin off. But we also felt this is, you know, just important for the Mopo brand and for for basically making the Mopo brand more sticky. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty interesting. That was the idea behind that. Interesting. Yeah. And 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 yeah. what and what are the plans for uh, for Mopop? Should is there also going to be something like a magazine for it or something that is printed? Yeah, right now, I mean, we're doing on um, on Thursday. We always have, um, let's say, internally, we call our our Thursday edition. We call it the the, the Culture Mopo. Kultur Mopo because it has eight pages of of culture and not only pop culture. We only, you know, we also have some exhibitions. Well, they don't really take place right now, and of course, concerts they mm-hmm. also don't place take place right now. I mean, it was at the end kind of a bold move to start, you know, with a culture, you know, culture attack in a time where culture doesn't really take place, which mm-hmm. is very sad. 
Um, Very but sad. yeah, that take. I mean, that takes place. I mean, that takes that takes place in print and online. As you mentioned, we have our own vertical there. It's called mopop.de. And that's where all these topics are in. And I mean, you can find some of these topics also on Mopo.de, but Mopo, but Mopop.de has its own, it's its own sub-brand and the page looks different, et cetera. And that obviously is something, I mean, it has a Hamburg focus, but not such a strong Hamburg focus as Mopo has. Hmm. Because I mean, if we have an interview with a, with a, you know, big American band or something, I mean, that would probably also be interesting for, um, a person interested in music that lives in Munich. Mm. So there's, they were less, let's say, regionally focused on Hamburg. Mm. You know? Although, I mean, you could, uh, it would also be a very valuable if you had a, a very localized uh, cultural uh, inform source of information. I think for me, always. Yeah, totally. I, I remember back in the days, I don't know if, if it even exists anymore, I used to read uh, a lot of prints. I had a, a yeah, yeah. girlfriend in Düsseldorf and her mother introduced me to this magazine and, and there was a lot of super, super interesting, um, yeah, culturally relevant uh, content in there. And but that's what, what we're doing as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. But I mean, but Prince, I mean, I remember reading Prince in Düsseldorf as well. <laughs> was a very good source of information. Um, no, but I mean, the thing is, if you have, I mean, if you have, a, if you have, if you live in a print only world, Hmm. Then in Düsseldorf, you would buy prints from, from Düsseldorf. When you're in Munich, you would read Prince of Munich hmm. or in Hamburg, Prince of Hamburg. Um, but um, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, if you're online, I mean, we can make our offering available, you know, all over Germany. I mean, hmm. you can, you can sit in Rio de Janeiro and, and read Mopop, you know, if you're interested. Yeah, of course. That's so, um, but in that sense, of course, we want to make it, we want to make a, you know, let's say to have this service aspect. Obviously, that is fully focused on Hamburg. Mm. I mean, of course, we you know we talk about concerts that are taking place here, but basically every big band from Germany or from you know from, from all over the world that comes to Germany, there's a very high likelihood that they also play in Hamburg. Mm. You yeah, know, so true. we probably cover that as well. True. Let's switch topics. Um, I wanted to do this earlier because it matched your career path a little bit better, but let's just do it now. I want to talk a little bit about Xing. Um, and um, so uh, as everybody's heard until now that has stayed with us until now, Xing is kind of like a, a German LinkedIn uh, or a German speaking market LinkedIn, uh, which is still doing very well. It's, uh, it's, it's publicly traded. Uh, and um, I know a lot of people who still have a paying or a paid account at Xing, uh, me included. How do you think, why is Xing still around when everybody's using LinkedIn? And why did, didn't that happen like, uh, like it happened with Facebook, you know, that Facebook swallowed all the local competitors that were imitating Facebook? Yeah, I think, I mean, I would say, you know, people working at Xing would of course, say that it's only because they're so genius. And that is partly true. I mean, there's very, I mean, there's very smart people working there. That is for sure one, one reason. I think that the main thing that separates Germany from other markets in Europe and maybe also in other countries outside of Europe is that Germany is, um, it has no real capital in a way. I mean, of course, Berlin is our capital in a, in a political sense, but, mm. um, 
I once read that if you would take Berlin out of the equation in Germany, I think the the per head uh, gross domestic income would rise. You know, yeah. I mean, Berlin doesn't <laughs> add. Berlin actually, you know, <laughs> pulls it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, takes away. If you if you would do the same, um, you know, in the UK with London or f with France and Paris, I mean, I mean, you know, London and Paris, they are the powerhouses of of these countries, and um, I think that makes it for other players very very difficult to attack these markets. Hmm. Also, if I look at facelift, I mean, facelift has a has a technology that's also offered by other companies um, from the US, mm -hmm. and they usually use to you know go to each country, go to the capital, and then try to conquer. Sounds a little bit militaric or militaristic, but you know, they try to conquer that city, and then if you have conquered that city, you have basically conquered the entire country. Mm. And in Germany, that's just not the case. I mean, you can conquer Munich, but you still don't have Germany, You're, mm -hmm. or you can conquer Hamburg, and you still don't have Germany. And that's why, that's one reason. And the other one is, um, that's a little bit linked to that, is that Germany and the German-speaking market has a had, has also a huge domestic market. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of business done in Germany, I mean, you know, in Germany between between German companies. Mm -hmm. So let's say in a, in a total, I mean, totally opposite to, for example, Sweden or the Netherlands that are doing basically all their business with you know, with other countries. Mm. And so there's many people who, from a, from a professional perspective, only have to do with other that are within the German-speaking region. And for them, there is no real, I mean, they probably, maybe they speak English, but it's for them, it's not so, not so natural as it probably is for us to, you mm. know? I mean, we live in a more international bubble, I would say. Yes. Um, but, but there's many people who live in a very German sense. And, and this is not negative. This is just a fact. And that's probably also one reason why people say, well, you know, Xing is, even if it's just focused on the German market, I mean, that's enough for me. Mm. Well, how, how's, I mean, you worked in the marketing solution. So basically you were um, responsible for building and developing options or opportunities for, for advertisers to spend their money uh, with their creatives. Um, mm. How um, how is this part of the business going? Because I know, I mean, you guys make some money uh, with uh, subscriptions for premium subscriptions, and I know Xing makes some money with uh, a lot of with the recruiting environment. So you have a lot of like headhunting services and, and headhunting or, or job market focused uh, products. Um, how's the the yeah the advertising product market at Xing? How's 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 that going? So. Well, how it's going right now, I, I cannot say because I'm not in there anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that probably was also tough for them because, I mean, you know, when the overall budgets go down, then usually they would also feel it. Mm -hmm. But um, overall, it's it's only the third biggest revenue stream at Xing. And um, what makes Xing very special, probably similar, I would say, also to LinkedIn, it's a very, I'd say it's a very integrated business. I mean, you have different business models and different different business units in there mm. that work that have different targets, you know, mm. and uh, they all depend on each other. So, let's say if the team that works on on the B two C users, if they make a good offering for them, they would obviously say, you know, let's make it fully free of any ads. And mm. you know, for for me in that role. It was rather like, yeah, let's put in some more ads because, mm. you know, I can sell them. Mm. And um, so there's, and that is a very, let's say, interesting, interesting company in that sense, because you have all these dynamics within the company all the time where you have, I mean, you have one, one overall goal. You want to make the company successful. 
but the you know let's say the goals within the company are sometimes a little bit from the perspective a little bit contradictory mm. um, and that makes it very very interesting and very complex to manage also mm -hmm. yeah of course but i guess um, i mean linkedin probably has the same problem i mean they want to make uh, build uh, tools you know that are, are good for for sales for b2b sales and um, at the same time, you as a LinkedIn user, you don't want to get all of those requests and, 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 spam exactly. and messages. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But I, I feel at Xing, this is not such a, not as big as a problem, right? Well, I've, yeah. Well, actually, I, I see it in the same way. I think, I mean, I don't want to bash LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn has a no, very, no, no. very, very good product. But, but you're, but I think you're fully right. I, I also feel that there's more of this kind of spamming in there. Maybe, but maybe it's also people from other countries who, who are used to do that more. I don't know. Mm. I don't know whether it comes from the platform or whether it comes from the users. I don't know. I mean, it must come from the users, obviously. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. We're we're going uh, towards the the end of the this the session. I would like you to give me an outlook of the creative perspective of your current work setting. So going back to the mobile, how is creativity part of your business? I mean, not just uh, the content. I mean that you're talking about culture and that you know um, the journalists are writing up uh, stories. But how is creativity in the in the business side as itself? How well is that represented in what you're doing day to day? Well, I would say it. I think I think creativity probably uh, makes up at least 80% of what I'm doing. To be mm -hmm. honest, I mean it's always always the question how you define creativity. But from a business perspective, I mean we're building new. I mean, f I mean we look at the industry and look what's happening there and look at the various you know revenue streams that we have and what what the dynamics are. If we do this, then that happens, etc. And we try because we're a small company and we're a smaller fish in this huge pond of um, of publishing offerings um, uh, in the market. Uh, we have to do things, you know, with very small investments. And you know, if you have if you have only a small amount of resources, then you have to be by definition be more creative to um, you know make things happen not just with the big budgets, but with the just better idea mm. and so we're, we're currently working on a new model to push our our print sales i mean about mm -hmm. the uh, to push the print circulation mm -hmm. new models to bond with the actual selling people i mean the people at the kiosk the people at the gas station people at the at the bakery that mm -hmm. sell that sell our newspapers um to do that and we're doing that in a very 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 creative way i think in, mm. in a model that i at least haven't seen anywhere else before can you share the way you're you're doing it or is it still a, kind of like a secret well i can i can share the at least the dimension i mean mm -hmm. we're looking at there at this i mean we've just thought about you know what why would people buy a newspaper i mean it's i mean a strong factor in there is um is the local aspect so i had one conversation with a woman working at a gas station on a sunday morning on the very very eastern part of hamburg mm -hmm. northeastern part of hamburg and I talked about with her about the Mopo and about the other um, newspaper based in Hamburg called Hamburger Abendblatt. And the lady there said, well, no, people are not buying Hamburger Abendblatt. They buy Lübecker Nachrichten. Lübecker Nachrichten come from the city of Lübeck, which is a, also a big city, but a lot smaller and 100 kilometers or 80 or so far away from Hamburg. And I said, well, why would they buy that? 
And they said, yeah, they cover this local region here and the others don't. Mm -hmm. Make much more clear to the to the person selling the newspaper that we actually have news from around your block. Mm. So to say to focus much more on what's the talk of the town mm. and to make that specific news that's in there every day to make that available to the selling person that they can mm. focus on that when they talk with, with their clients, mm. you know, in their typical buying situation, you know, I mean, you come in and you say, yeah, I want to buy a pack of Marlboro. And then he said, yeah, have you heard about this story? This happened, you know, which happened yesterday here. I've read it in the Mopo, you know, and then, mm. ah, interesting, ah, mm. you know. Is, is this the way uh, it, it really sells? I mean, or are they incentivized to, to like promote it at the, at the gas station? Or No, not at all. And I mean, if you look at it, I mean, a newspaper sells for one euro 30. If you look at the margin that the seller earns for selling one Mopo compared to one pack of cigarettes, mm. you know, I mean, uh, we're not number one there. Mm. Um, but um, obviously, newspaper has always has something to tell, you know, a pack of cigarettes or a can of Coke has nothing to say, you know, I mean, you wouldn't discuss with anyone, you know, how the how the Coke tastes today, because mm. it tastes always the same. I mean, that's why mm. you buy it, you know, yeah, sure. you know how it tastes. But newspaper has always stories. And, you know, when when we meet and we have small talk, we talk about things that happen. And those are the things that you find in the newspaper. So it's a very, it's a very good conversation piece. And if you give people there, you know, a hint what to talk about, if it's very, very super local, then, um, you know, people, people start talking. pick that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Well, Arist, um, is there anything else you would like to share, like some upcoming stuff? Uh, now's the time to promote like all of your cool projects if you want, um, because we're coming to an end. Let's do that next time. I mean, then when they're when they're more when they're more detailed. All right. Let's say we meet again in a year or so. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to uh, our podcast today. Uh, you can find the show notes. Um, under this post and in the blog if you want to know more about Arist uh, and the Mopo. Uh, it's a very, very cool paper. I think I also read it regularly when I um, go through town. Arist, thank you very much for joining. It was, has been uh, incredibly insightful um, for me as a newspaper uh, fan. Super, super cool. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Philip. All right. All the best. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take care.